0: Anderson, and I am the lead pastor of Liberty Christian Church, hailing over the mountain of Vita Springs, uh, just, just that way. It took me a long journey to get here this morning. Luckily, no semi-truck tried to take that right turn. Can I get an amen from the church? God is good. Man, it's uh, my pleasure to be here. I'm actually pulpit swapping with uh, your incredible pastor today, Sean Bitzer. He's over at preaching at Liberty Christian Church, and I'm over here today, and it's my honor to be here. Before we dive into it, I just want to say a bunch of nice things about your pastor. Is that okay? Um, Sean is one of my favorite people. Uh, when I first started at Liberty Christian Church, he was one of the first pastors that reached out to me. Uh, we've been meeting on an, uh, a monthly basis for a- almost that whole time, and uh, when we uh, COVID hit, he invited me to be a part of a podcast that we were a part of for a couple of years called Pastors in Quarantine. And we've been on a couple of retreats together. And so Sean has experienced all of this energy at 7 a.m. So pray for him, please, for our next retreat. I just talk loud all the time. It's a curse and it's, and it's a blessing. Sean is also one of my favorite people because uh, when I started at the church, uh, I was 27. And anytime I, I talk about problems, that was about six years ago, anytime, anytime I talk about problems, Sean always says, well, Stephen, I started my church as the lead when I was 26. So he can hold that over me forever, so. I'm grateful for that, but uh, we love you guys as a church, and I pray for you guys all the time, and again, your pastor is is a dear friend of mine, Uh, so take good care of him, okay? You promise? Is he paying me to say that? Maybe a little bit, but no, I'm just just teasing. Hey, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 3 today, and what I want to reflect on is the idea of moving from knowledge to experience, and what I want to reflect on is, is the love of God. I grew up in church. How many of you grew up in, in a church setting, you know, grew up as believers? And I think one of the reasons I wanted to become a pastor is because I felt like God would love me a little bit more if I did that. I don't know about you, we have this kind of interesting relationship with God. Sometimes we feel like, oh, if, if I pray really well this week, then God loves me more. If I, if I go to all the, the right Bible studies, if, if I volunteer in church every single week, if I, if I do these things, if I check off these boxes, then God loves me more. But that's really a, a pretty awful, and it's really just bad theology on, on the love of God. And it's taken me, and now I'm 33, this is my Jesus year, thank you, uh, 33, and being a pastor for six years. And just over the last 24 months, I realized that I had a, a poor view of the love of God. I felt like if I prayed a lot this week, then at the end of the week, God loved me more. Or if I showed up at church, or if I volunteered, then, or became a pastor even, and did all these things and checked off all of these boxes, then God loves me more. But the reality is, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It is is who he is. It is his nature. And oftentimes we make mistakes. Raise your hand if you make mistakes before, if you've hurt people before. That's all of us. (laughs) The, The beautiful thing is that it doesn't change the way that God loves you. Now, does that mean that there are no consequences? Absolutely not. Oftentimes we have consequences for our choices But uh, the part that I've been reflecting on is it doesn't change God's love for me and it doesn't change God's love for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies you go to or how if you pray five times a day, ten times a day. He loves you. You believe in Jesus and His death and His resurrection. The Holy Spirit lives within you. The presence of God is within you. He loves you. Can I get an amen from the church? It's a beautiful thing. It's the gospel. So on this journey, uh, a couple of years ago, I was having this frustration uh, in this kind of uh, conversation with God, and like, God, I I just don't experience your love. Again, we're really good at the knowledge part of things, and we want to say, well, I I want to know more about the love of God, so what do I need to do? What other boxes do I need to check off? Like, I I became a pastor because I felt like God would love me more. It's not true. (laughs) He loves you the same. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so I was having this frustration and this conversation with God. And then my wonderful wife says, Stephen, why don't you just, you can just go spend the day and and go reflect. I do that often. So I woke up early in the morning and I went to my favorite coffee shop in uh, West Salem called the Urban Grange. Pretty close to here. I meet with Pastor Sean there once a month. And I'm I'm studying my Bible and I'm reflecting. and, And in my mind, I'm like, this is it. This is how I experience the love of God right, a warm cup of coffee in the morning, sipping it, reading the scripture, reflecting, and, and it, was, it was good, but at the end of that time, I was like, I, I still don't feel any different. What, what other boxes do I need and do I need to check? So I said, okay, I'm gonna take it one step further. I'm gonna go to Riverfront Park in, in downtown Salem. It's very similar to like the Independence Park down here. There's like a nice right walkway right by the river. I said, that is how I'm going to experience the love of God, reflection in nature. I'm going to look over the beauty of the Willamette River in all of its glory, <laughs> the nutria and things like that, and I'm going, to, I'm going to reflect, and I'm going to see the love of God, and I'm going to look over the, the river and see the trees and the water flowing. Wow, God is so good. So I stopped at Subway, got a sandwich, and I was going to walk to a picnic table, have lunch, and dang it, I was going to experience the love of God. So I walk out there, and I've got my sandwich, and I'm walking down the the walkway. And as I'm walking to the picnic table, I saw it in the distance. I'm like, that's my spot. That's where I'm going to experience the love of God. It was a warm kind of a spring day and the splash pad was going and there was a, a homeless man sitting on the bench and he, you know, he said, called out like, hey, do you have a couple dollars? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to experience the love of God, please, so I pulled out my wallet and I was like, okay, here, here you go, like I did my Christian duty, checked off that box, okay? And then I moved on my way and sat at that picnic table and I looked over the river and like, all right, this is it. And then there was a little bit of a rabid duck over there, I was trying to eat my lunch, but other than that, things were normal. I was looking over the river, and "Ah, this is it, God. This is what I'm supposed to do. Let me just experience your love. Like this, I'm checking off that box, right? I'm, I'm praying this many times a week. I'm studying my Bible. I'm doing all the right things. Come on. Nothing. And then I felt this deep conviction from the Holy Spirit. Have you guys experienced this before? It wasn't an audible voice, but it was just this deep conviction within my heart. And what the Holy Spirit's conviction within me was, Stephen, you need to go back and talk with that homeless guy that you walked by. And I said, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Nope. I, I did it, right? I, I paid him the dollars. I'm, I did my Christian duty. I'm done. I'm moving on with my life. I, that conviction was still within my heart. And so I said to God in these kind of conversations, I don't know if you have these conversations with God, but I... It's kind of like a a six-year-old. and I have four kids under nine, so I know how they act, okay? Fine, God, I'll do it, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk the long way around the park, and if he's still there, then I'll talk with him. (laughs) But if he's gone, I'm out. So I I started walking the long way, and I I turned the corner, and he's still sitting there. I said, okay, God, I'm, I'm listening enough. Okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I just have this conviction that I'm supposed to talk with this homeless guy. So I sit down on the bench next to him and I start having a conversation and turned out his name was Ted. Ted had been in and out of the Union Gospel Mission. He had been battling the addiction of alcohol and he was talking with me and said, you know, I've, I've been in and out all these times and I've just, we're just chatting and, and he started tearing up and And he said, you know, my family left me and my kids moved away and I've been in and out of this rehab program. But he said to me, but I know when I'm at the pearly gates, I will be forgiven. And it was like the love of God hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) Because here I was, the 30-something pastor, pursuing the love of God. And what I realized is that the homeless guy Ted knew more about the love of God than I did, and so I had that conversation with him, and I started tearing up. And I don't like crying in front of people. I don't know about you. So I started walking back to my car, and was just I just wept. i what am I doing? These boxes that I'm trying to check and trying to pursue and pursue God, and instead of understanding and knowing that I am loved by my Creator. And now my relationship with God and and with Scripture and with prayer has shifted. I no longer pray because I feel like I have to. I no longer read Scripture because I feel like if I don't, God's going to hate me, which I did for the majority of my life. If I don't read my Bible today, then God's going to be disappointed. He's not going to like me. He's going to hate me. Now I pursue a relationship with my Heavenly Father because of His love for me and because I need it to be survive. I don't know about you. If I don't have the love of God, I have nothing. And when we talk about as a church, and by church, I'm, uh, church, I'm talking about capital C, the worldwide church. We want to reach people with the love of Jesus, right? That's every church would, I would hope, would say that. But how can we give something that we don't possess ourselves? How can we give the love of God if we don't first experience it ourselves? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to reflect on John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And we're going to reflect on this conversation that Jesus has with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Have you heard this story before? Have you watched The Chosen? You know, that's good enough, right? (laughs) Jesus is going to have this conversation with Nicodemus. Now, what I want you to know about Nicodemus is that this dude was wicked smart. He was a Pharisee, meaning He had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Any of you have the first five books of the Bible memorized? Anyone hear it out? He knew a lot of stuff. He checked off all of those boxes. Yet there was still something that Nicodemus was missing. What do you think it was? We'll find out. Ready? Chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, some people believe because he came in the evening time. You know, other, you know, Pharisees, his posse, to see him, right? Like, doesn't want to get embarrassed. He's going to go talk with Jesus. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, this guy knew a lot of stuff, yet still... When he saw Jesus and saw what Jesus could do and heard the words that Jesus said, he knew, I believe, he knew that he was missing something. Something wasn't there. All these boxes that he has checked. And again, what I want you to know about Pharisees, get, get this, There's a, I read this on an article, Making Life Count Ministries, it says this. In the Pharisees' families, when a boy in a Pharisee family turned two years old, they would take the scroll of the law, the Torah, they would put honey on it and have him lick it so his earliest memory would be, Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Is that bonkers. Can you imagine putting honey on a Bible and letting your toddler lick that sucker? That's crazy. <laughs> but just teaching them, right? The word of the God is is sweet. At four years old, in the Pharisee family, the the boy would start memorizing the book of Leviticus. Could you imagine getting your four-year-old to study the book of Leviticus? I don't know about you, but my kids would not not do that very well. By 12 years old, the boy would have uh, memorized Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. As a teenager, he memorized the prophets and the Psalms. So basically... The entire Old Testament. So Nicodemus would know all of these things. He's the perfect, in our kind of world, Christian, right? All the Bible studies, all the knowledge that you could obtain as a human, he knew it all. Yet, he was missing something. So he's having this conversation with Jesus. He says, like, teacher, we... we, we know your miraculous signs is evidence that God is with you. He's missing something. Verse 3, Jesus replies to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And I think Nicodemus is like, wait, wait, hold up, what? Born again, that's this is not in the Bible. Like, I've got, that, I've got that memorized. And what Jesus is trying to do with Nicodemus is change his thinking. Nicodemus is viewing his relationship with God like a math problem. Four plus four is eight. What do I need to do? Check off the boxes. And Jesus is trying to change his perspective. He says, "Unless you are born again, Nicodemus, you will not see the kingdom of God." View it from a different angle, Nicodemus. He says in verse four, "What do you mean?" Exclaimed Nicodemus, "How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again?" <laughs> He's like, I don't get it, Jesus, but born again? This is taking me to very uncomfortable places, he's saying, like, I don't, I don't get it. Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's like, Nicodemus, change your your thinking. And what's mind-blowing to us now, looking back and seeing the story, is that Nicodemus had the Son of God standing right in front of him. He knew all of the prophetic passages from Isaiah and... Jeremiah and all these places yet still when Jesus is right in front of him. It's like he's not even there He doesn't get it And How often we do the same thing? God is working our life and we're we're so anxious and we just can't even see him, but he's he's right there with us and Nicodemus is still stumped. He just doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't, he doesn't get it in verse 9 He says well, how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked and verse 10, Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. All, of the, all the Bible studies you went to, Nicodemus, all of the memorization, licking the Torah at two years old, yet you're still missing the most important thing. He says, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, Nicodemus, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Can I get an amen from the church? And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, Jesus is quoting Numbers 21, and remember I told you, Nicodemus had the first five books of the Bible memorized, which would include Numbers, so Nicodemus would know exactly what Jesus is talking about. That In, in Scripture, Numbers 21, verse 8 through 9, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who has been can look to it and live. And if you've ever seen on an ambulance, there's the staff with the snakes wrapping around. Have you guys seen this before? Now every time you see that, you can think about Jesus. Because in, in, in this scenario, the Israelites would look to it and live. And in verse 9 and verse 21, So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on the pole. So when anyone was bitten by a poisonous snake and looked at the bronze snake, they would live, signifying healing. And now Jesus says to Nicodemus, Basically, I am the great healer. Look to the Son of Man for eternal life. Experience the love that I have for you. Because what does Jesus say in verse 16 of John chapter 3? Tim Tebow's favorite Bible verse. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave and his one and only Son, that so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Everybody say, God loves me. It's easy to say that. It's much more challenging to experience it. Because in our culture and what we've done is, what boxes do I need to check? What do I need to do? What Bible study do I need to go to? How often do I have to volunteer? And those things are good things. But the question is, what's fueling them? What's behind it? Is it because you feel like God's gonna hate you if you don't, or is it pursuing a relationship with a God who loves you tremendously? Your entire life, have you believed if you mess up or make a mistake which we've agreed we all have done, including myself, many a times. That if we mess up, God's gonna love us less. It's not true. God's love for you remains steadfast. It remains the same. And in all avenues of life, in your depression, in your anxiety, in your pain, in your suffering, in the mountain highs of life, and the valley lows. God's love for you never changes. You are loved. Everybody say, God loves me. And what's beautiful is that God sent his son Jesus to live a life, live life as a human, to experience the things that you do, anxiety in these things. One of my favorite passages of scriptures: is Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane where God calls him to, to die on the cross And Jesus is having this conversation with his father. And Jesus says, God, if there is any other way. And God says, there is no other way. I'm paraphrasing, but you understand what I'm saying? And Jesus knows what he has to walk through. And God sent his son not to smite the world, but to save it. To save it. Verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18 There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him in Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact, God's light came into the world, but the people loved the darkness more than the light for the actions their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near for the fear their sins will be exposed. I think this is deep shame. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. We come to Jesus and we experience the, the love of God and, and John uh, chapter 8, verse 36, one of my favorite Bible verses. It says this. So if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. Right? So we're really good at saying that. We say, oh yeah, we're free in Christ. How often do we say that yet not experience the words that we say? That Jesus' love for you cannot be earned. It is only accepted. It is a free gift that God has given you. You are loved. So my challenge to you is is to go back and reflect on your theology, your view of God, your relationship with God. Because oftentimes what happens is what we experience in our first formation, and by first formation I mean usually the ages of when we're born, zero to about eight to 12 or so, that has an incredible impact on how we view God. And maybe you are pursuing God and you're trying to check off those boxes instead of simply experiencing His love for you. You want to check off all those boxes and do all the right things, and if if not, then God doesn't like you. He's not proud of you. He doesn't love you anymore. That's not true. If you believe in Jesus and His death and His resurrection, you are a child of God. You are loved tremendously by your heavenly Father. And the challenge is to move on from from knowledge, which we have a lot of knowledge, to experiencing the love of God, following in the example of Jesus, washing the feet of our enemies, which is a really cool thing about rooted is moving on to experiencing it. Did Sean tell me to say that? No, but it's just working really nicely, okay? So <laughs> sign up for rooted. <laughs> but it's the, instead of just talking about it, which we're really good at, Let's start practicing what Scripture says. Let's start going and and finding time to be with God. When's the last time that you just marked out time in your calendar to be with God? No cell phone. No bing in your pocket all day long. No vibrations, Just nothing. None of that. No internet. No news stories that the world is ending. Just being with God. And that's it. Experiencing His love for you not because you feel like if you don't, God's gonna hate you, because He he loves you. And reflect on the the theology of your first formation. How did that affect your view of God today? Is it wrong? Do you have the awareness to go back and change that? That's the challenge. So as we're gonna close in prayer and the team's gonna come back up, and I just wanna encourage you to, as we go on through the rest of the service and the rest of the day, just reflect have you had a poor theology of the love of God like I did for uh, 30-something years? And what does it look like to go back and have the awareness to see what you can change to continue to mature in your spiritual growth and your pursuit and your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your Heavenly Father?